I want to welcome you to our Bible study this evening, and I would like to encourage you to take your Bible and join me in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be bouncing around the book of Proverbs, and we're continuing our study that I've called Fighting Fire based on James' description of the tongue and the damage that it can do. And when we were together last time, we studied through death words. That's what I called them, those words of destruction that can be formed, used by our tongues. And tonight we're going to take a positive turn in that regard, just walk through Scripture. I was studying and I read that if you are talking about the English language and how many words are in it, you have to kind of look at it in three different categories. One is that there are more than a million total words. About 170,000 of those words are currently in use, and an individual person uses anywhere between 20 to 30,000 of those words. That's a pretty expansive vocabulary. And the words that we use, as we have understood from Scripture, are not neutral. They have an effect. As again, I was studying, I looked at some of the most negative words in the English language. Here they were. The word worthless. You can sense a feeling when you hear the word worthless. The word can't was on that list. The word hate was on that list. Fact is, we very rarely, if if almost never, need the word hate. But there's certainly a negativity to it. The word problem was on there. One author said the word problem feels heavy. The word problem makes you sense a burden, ugly. That's a word that is certainly negative within the language. Stuck. Stuck implies that there's no room for growth, no room for movement forward, perhaps even constantly looking back on past experiences. Failure. Failure is another one of those words that we can sense the negativity inherently in it. But I also studied some of the most positive words in the English language, and you're going to need a a dictionary to understand a lot of these, but one was mellifluous. Mellifluous. Something sounds very pleasant and enjoyable. It's mellifluous. The word elysian. Heaven like the word felicity. It's another word for happiness or luck. Ineffable. When you're at a loss for describing something, just plug the word in. Ineffable. It kind of causes an emotion. Enthuse. Excitement. Passion. Effervescent. Effervescent is just a happy word. It's even kind of a fun word to say. The word love was on the list of positive words that we can use. When you simply think through practical and statistical things about words, there are a lot of them. They are not neutral. We use a lot of them and they have an effect. 
Some of the very words that we use have a negative connotation, and other words that we use certainly have a positive connotation, and the Scripture backs this. And this was the basis for our last study, maintains as the basis for this study. In Proverbs 18.21, Solomon wrote this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, which means we can, in effect, speak death words and life words. And that kind of expands on the idea of these positive words within the language and the negative words within the language. And really, it's more than just the the way that word is formed. It's what that word intends, what it communicates. And we've looked at those death words. And James told us this, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. There has to be within us a spiritual maturation, a striving to bridle the tongue. But not just to avoid death words, to aim at something, to grow towards something, to use these life words, spirit-controlled hearts speak words of life. It dictates our tone. It guides how people perceive us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If people sense within you a negativity, a cynicism, a criticism, death words, you must ultimately be under the Control of the Holy Spirit to speak life word. Spirit-controlled hearts speak words of life. Now, we worked through a study, and it was really just kind of a walk through the concordance of these death words. Deceit, flattery, which is a part of being deceptive. Gossip and slander, those words almost hiss even as you say them. Angry words. Words of strife, boasting, arrogant words. And then we addressed verbosity, just the sheer number of words that were spoken. And those are those categories of so-called death words. But it is encouraging to know that the tongue, though it is certainly something that must be guarded and definitely can do a lot of damage, can also be very constructive. And that's where we take the positive turn this evening and we grasp we have something to aim at. Our tongue can communicate grace. Our tongue can communicate peace and love and kindness. And this is something we should be working at. Shifting from death words to life words, avoiding and aiming at. A spirit-controlled heart that produces this kind of tongue. What are some of the life words? We'll go back into Proverbs, and I've encouraged you to turn there, and you'll have to flip around 100 miles an hour to stay with. But in Proverbs chapter 15, there are two verses. Immediately, we sense the power of the tongue to do good, when in verse 2, Solomon says, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. Then he'll come back in verse 7, and he'll say, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge in the right way, and the lips of the wise are dispersing knowledge. 
That's why our words should be Bible words. I don't mean that we only speak in the language of the Bible, but words that have been filtered through biblical principles. God-honoring, Christ-honoring words. Words that edify and build up. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That is very clear. This should be how our speech is used. What are some of the constructive ways that we can disperse knowledge with our lips? Well, one thing our lips, our tongues can do to the opposite of being destructive is we can give wise counsel and good advice. Wise counsel and good advice. Let's back that up from within Scripture. Now, I just read a moment ago in Proverbs fifteen seven, where he said, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. In verse 22 of Proverbs 15, here's what Solomon assesses. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So if we are surrounded by the wise, we will grasp that the tongue of the wise is going to rightly use knowledge and their lips are going to disperse that knowledge. Five chapters later in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18, Solomon says, every purpose is established by counsel and listen to this, and with good advice make war. Wise counsel and good advice. That's one of the edifying and constructive ways that we can use our tongues. Now listen, I think probably all of us, looking back in our lives, have received some good advice, some wise counsel. It's probably inevitable that over the course of our lives, we have received bad advice and poor counsel. I have found in a public position like pastoring, I get a lot of unsolicited advice, and I'm certain that you're the same and can identify with that. Now, here's something that's clear and evident. Someone who is out of fellowship with the Lord cannot possibly offer this wise advice, this good counsel. They have a limited perspective. Now, some worldly wisdom can be beneficial, And some life experience can certainly shine through and help, but everything that we take in must be run through the filter of Scripture. Perhaps we never need to exercise greater or more careful discernment than when we are seeking counsel. We never need to be more cautious than when we are looking for advice. And it's certainly a great starting point to have someone with a biblical worldview to advise us. Someone who knows and uses and aligns with the scripture. Now, I want to work through this just a moment, but grasp this. Age and experience and status in life do not necessarily equate to someone being wise. Job said this in Job 32 and verse 9, Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Just because someone is successful does not mean that they are wise. 
And just because someone is old does not mean that they have wisdom. Status in life does not assure wisdom and discernment. The fact is, we have to find people whose lives are aligned with Scripture and are walking in a Christ-like way. Be extremely cautious in where you seek advice. I could go further and say to you, be extremely cautious in who you advise. Make certain that you are walking with the Lord and that your advice has been filtered through a biblical worldview. And by the way, most people don't care about your two cents. They don't need you to just opine. In fact, that gets back into the death words of verbosity. The reality is, if you're invested and someone knows that you care and that you love them, you have an inroad to offer this counsel. I find it interesting what one author said. He said, our daily conversations are actually mutual counseling sessions, whereby we exchange the reassurance and advice that help us deal with the daily routine challenges of life. You ever look at it like that? Your conversations are mutual counseling sessions. That's why it's so vital that we walk in the Spirit. It's a great way for us to look at our conversations, the engagements that we have with one another. In fact, Proverbs 27, 9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. A man's friendship actually becomes a mutual counseling session, which highlights that we should be careful about our circle of friends and who has our ear and who we give influence to. The tongue can speak life words, wise counsel and good advice. This is a little more painful to engage in, but the tongue can also wound as a friend. It's one of the ways our tongues can be used to build up. Proverbs 17.10 says this, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. That's pretty self-explanatory. Someone who is wise and able to be taught If you will speak a word of reproof, it will have greater effect than someone who is struck a hundred times, but because they are a fool, they still won't learn. It's possible to speak a word of reproof and have it bring life. Proverbs 15.10, correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Proverbs 27.6. Perhaps you're more familiar with this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In Proverbs 28, 23, we read, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. And again, we see a death word in there, a category, that deceit and the flattery contrasted against rebuking someone. Now, I think there's probably two prongs to look at this. The wounds of a friend. We should be open to being coached. We should be open to being corrected. We should be open to growing like that. 
And we have a limited amount of relationships where we can speak those words that can wound as a friend. If we challenge committed believers, if we challenge people who desire to honor the Lord, we're wounding them at times to reprove or to rebuke them. That's one of the responsibilities of the pastor with the doctrine of Scripture and a spirit of long-suffering to communicate to the church. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, not with your anger, not with the tone of your voice, not with your opinion, but with the Scripture and a spirit of long-suffering fortified by doctrine Speak those words. For people ready to listen, that confrontation is a good thing. Now listen, everyone that is confronted, and we ourselves when confronted, is not always going to love us back in return. But these friendly wounds can be a great help. Joab had to step up and talk to David. Nathan had to go in and do the same. Now, we talk about friendly wounds. We should probably set some biblical parameters for this. I would say the one that is doing the reproving or the rebuking should without question love the person who is being reproved or rebuked. No one has been given the assignment to be international all-time reprover and rebuker. Not even you. Another would be this. Listen, a bruise will linger. It does take some time to restore and repair that. And your friendship and my friendship and our relationships should allow for constructive criticisms. You say, well, I prefer to get a compliment. Not all compliments are offered with the right motivation. There can be deceitful flattery. And sometimes the right motivation requires that we communicate a re- And that's not often fun. So much of this matter of reproving and rebuking has to do with discernment, has to do with discretion. I cannot emphasize this enough. Someone might be thinking right now, my spiritual gift is to rebuke everyone around me. Eh, I probably won't have a lot of friends. The fact is, one wrote this, there's a right way, there's a right time, there's a right motive, and there's a right person in order to offer this reproval and rebuke. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover unto or upon an obedient ear. A fool will not take it in. In fact, you can give them a hundred stripes. It still won't make a difference. So choose your words carefully and understand that at times, words of life will require friendly wounding. That should not be the majority of the time. Another thing that we can do is to encourage. Now, I'd say this, if you want to be one who can wound a friend, then you should definitely be one who approves and encourages very often. 
You should be an encourager. You should be an approver. You should be an uplifter. You should be an edifier. And rarely then when you have to offer the wounds, they will be received with the right motivation at the right time, with the right chosen words to the right person, from the right person. Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it with an exclamation point? Sometimes people just need to hear a kind word. On occasion, it's okay to simply allow someone to know they've done a good thing. Encourage. When you break that word down, encourage. Core is the heart. You're putting heart in somebody. To discourage someone is to take heart from somebody. There are words that can certainly discourage. We kind of began this study tonight speaking those. Words that can encourage. Speak words of encouragement. Proverbs 15, 30. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I wonder, even about myself, how aware I am about how people perceive how I come across. The capacity to assess ourselves and to stay on top of how we are perceived is vitally important for successful relationships in life. Are you a cynic? Are you a negative? Are you a critic? Are you one that when people see you coming up, they prep to have their heart taken out of them? Or when they see you, do they prepare for some heart to be put in them, some pleasant words, some strength, some good report to come their way. Begin not only to separate from death words, but to aim at life words, not just words of encouragement. Our tongues can comfort. Our tongues can teach. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. How do we do that? With our words. He'll come back and he'll say this three verses later. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Our words can comfort. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. He'll say this in Proverbs 15, 7, as I've referenced many times already in this study, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, edifying Building speech, strengthening words, have that effect on people. Make certain they're infused when you are around them. That's why it's so vital to speak biblically filtered words. They're literally the words of life. The gospel is the words of life. This is why we should be sharing it. Can you speak any more beautiful? Can you speak any more life-giving words than the words of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Comfort teach words of joy words of joy words of joy now a spirit-controlled heart speaks words of life here's what the bible says in proverbs 15 13 a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance but by sorrow of the heart is the spirit broken out of the content out of the abundance out of the resource of the heart the mouth speaketh and the face looketh that's what we're learning He'll say in Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Do you realize that if we have the deep, 
abiding joy of the Lord, which is our strength. It's visible on our face and it's able to be heard in our words, words of joy. Now, I don't mean we fake it and I don't mean every moment of life we go through with a smile on our face, but we infuse other people with the joy of the Lord. If you were to assess yourself right now, and I think that's vitally important to do, are you a death word giver or a life word giver? We have some things to stay away from. Now we've discussed some things to aim at. We're working to fight fire. Man, our tongue is such a powerful element. Let's ask God to help us control it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray right now that we'd be humble that we would be sensitive to your spirit, that we would simply apply these truths from Scripture and aim at using, intentionally speaking, life words. Bless us now in the week that we have ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is gracewaycharlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.